It is Money Talk with James Ross. It's 17 minutes past eight. Time to welcome our guests to the studio. And a very good morning to Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning, James. And good morning also to Lashar Shark, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research. Good morning, Shark. Good morning, James. Uh, well, let's start with this uh, note which has just come in. Ratings company Fitch says it may cut the U.S.'s AAA credit rating on the political partisanship around the debt ceiling negotiations that are sort of stop, start, stop, start, no progress, not much going on there. Uh, Shark, what do you think? Uh, is, is the U.S.'s AAA really going to be cut? Uh, I really don't know because uh, this, this depends the development of this uh, uh, dialogue between Republican and Democrat. But uh, personally, I think that's a very big political show. So everyone wants to show their strength, want to show their commitment to their voters. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's not going to happen because uh, we have seen these things again and again over the past maybe many years. But uh, uh, I don't think they really can uh, risk to, to, to have this kind of the default because according to many uh, analyses, if this kind of a default happened, that will cost millions of jobs that will slow down the GDP. Even for the short term one, they will slow down the GDP significantly. Uh, some people estimate that will be negative 0.6%. Uh, so the cost is too high. I don't think uh, they can afford to do that. But they will show, they will continue to perform until hmm. they make the final decision to stop it. So there's, um, they're not, they don't really want to take uh, the risk, take it to the edge. NGO, is that something you agree with? I, 90% yes. Um, I could see the Republicans being quite nasty and really wanting to torpedo um, Biden's economy and just letting this thing drag on. I mean, if, if it drags on for one month afterwards, this default thing, the Fed already calculated that the markets would fall by another 30%. The downgrade, by the way, we did have one last go around where I think it was S&P downgraded or was it Fitch? I'm not sure which one, but already U.S. debt has been downgraded anyway. So that's not new. Um, but I think it's important just to remember that what happens when this, if this thing gets all mucky, even just in the run up to the um, to the conclusion, let's hope, of, of on May the 31st, well, you've got the, the, basically the Treasury bills have problems, those short-term risk-free instruments in the markets, and the corporate cash managers like those a great deal, but they can't, all of a sudden, they won't really have access to them because they'll get very illiquid. And then, of course, the traders using Treasury bills as collateral will have great problems accessing these bills, and so the whole global system goes a little bit fat. So, it's just not it's not not a good scenario whichever way you cut it mm, it is poised isn't it and uh, nevertheless you know a downgrade um uh, by fitch is not going to send good vibes around the world is it no but i mean reserve currencies always have gone south the sterling happened this happened to sterling this happens it's been happening to the u.s dollar let's remember that back in 1972 or so it was 400 yen to the dollar now it's about 130 or so i um, don't remember that and you know i'm just ah, just saying you you do that's good thank well, you I'm, I'm perhaps <laughs> two years older than you are so um yeah that's grandpa talking but um the so i i do think that the um, that you will find these that the dollar continues on in trend falling, but that nobody can replace the dollar. It's too big to fail and too big to jail. Yeah, on this point, I fully agree with Anzio. Uh, but I like to say that if these uh, rating companies uh, they downgrade. 
the U.S. Treasury bond. I think that will cause a lot of confusion in the market because uh, we know there's a lot of institutional investors. Yeah. Uh, they have their internal rules. Uh, they must uh, keep a certain amount of these uh, a, uh, the 3A level ones. If you <laughs> define that the 3A level U.S. dollar treasury bond become double level, double A level, how they are going to do? Maybe I think that that will cause a lot of trouble for the financial market. I can't remember, James, to cue from you now um, <laughs> that what happened when we had the last downgrade whether it caused a big ruckus or not in the markets I suspect it did exactly what Shark is saying and that it's also very logical what he's saying yeah, I don't think there's any way it could avoid causing uh, no, uh, you know that sort no. of ruckus, is there? Uh, um, uh, it's obviously a bit worrying. June the first is on the way, and they still need a few days to get the get the bill through Congress well, as well. They have a lot to do before that. If I may interrupt, they have to get the legislative stuff done, then they turn it into a legislative text. Then they need to get a budget score from the Congressional Budget Office. They then need the members of Congress need seventy two hours. Maybe they need reading lessons to read the bill. Um, and that 72 hours, actually, if my high mathematics would say that's three days. If you need three days to read a bill, you're really pretty pokey. But there we are. So there's a lot of work to be done, even once they have reached an eyeball to eyeball agreement. Well, I guess we'll 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 wait uh, as the minutes and hours uh, tick by. Uh, let's turn to something else and uh, U.S. Ch- uh, China trade talks um, mm. the, getting going in uh, in Detroit. Uh, there seem to be some positive vibes coming out that uh, out of that. Where, where do we where do we stand, Shark? What what are your thoughts on these uh, U.S. Uh, China trade talks? Uh, I think that that would be a good signal because uh, after several months of this kind of a deadlock, I think that both sides, they want to ease the tension. Uh, from President Biden, he sent signals that he want to have a direct talk with uh, President Xi Jinping. And on China side, although I think China, they quite muted on that one. But uh, recently, we know that China, they assigned new ambassadors to the United States, Xie Feng. I think that's a good signal because at least you send your people there, you people can listen to uh, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, policymakers, you people can send the signals to these uh, uh, U- U.S. policymakers, and then you can start the next uh, pace of uh, dialogue. I think both sides, they want to ease the tension. That's a very good uh, uh, progress. But on the trade side, I, I'm afraid that for the short term, uh, what they can do is just uh, stabilize their trade relation. Uh, but on this uh, uh, technology embargo things. I think the United States, they are still uh, escalate rather than uh, stop. So uh, I I think both sides, they can uh, use this one to break the de- deadlock they are, uh, they are facing now. Yeah. Enzo, are you positive on uh, on the US-China at the moment? It's, no, absolutely uh, It's a tough not. time, right? Yeah, because I, I used to sit in the snake pit for years <laughs> on Capitol Hill with the Foreign Relations Committee, basically, and I just find it hasn't gone away. I was always taught, and having also lived in America, in America, China is for free. And it means, basically, sadly, that the view, the view from Mon Paul Kettle out in Eugene, Oregon, where I grew up, or in Idaho, Micron, obviously, um, is that all Chinese are communists, all Chinese are communists, these are bad people, we Americans don't like communists, we love freedom of speech and freedom of shooting, of course, and mm-hmm. so 
um, that so it's fine for the top level, the front stage boys to say we want to talk, the president, the vice president, all that level. But it's really the McCarthy's, the Schumer's, the um, McConnell's, people of that nature who are answering to their local constituency and China remains for free. It's a great vote getter, especially ahead of the election. So I think they can say what they want and they can do what they want on a front stage level. But I'm afraid backstage, it's strictly pretty, pretty bloody. Well, so elsewhere in Asia, uh, Japan has had a bit of a run. It was doing uh, quite well. It uh, went through the 30,000, uh, the Nikkei 225 went through the 30,000 level uh, again. But uh, things have paid back a bit. Um, where do you stand, NZO, on Japan at the moment? I think this time it is different. Again, having covered this, I'm revealing my age today, three, according to my wife, um, <laughs> that this time it is different. Inflation because we've had many of these rallies before and then they've been false stones. It is a post-COVID rally like we had with China. So that's already the good news and maybe the bad news because China's fizzled out. I don't think Japan's will... Uh, as much because inflation is getting legs in Japan. Finally, wages are rising a little bit in Japan. Finally, and very importantly, I think more foreign gaijin scrutiny of, of um, Japanese companies is coming through. In other words, they're beginning a lot of gaijin Frasquilos are just beginning to yell at Japanese companies and saying, why are you not doing this and this and this? And I think that may cause a change, just maybe a heads up in the Japanese industry that may pervade. So I think that there are, there's more than just a post-COVID. So giving them a kick, would you say? Give them a, a, or a slap in the face. I think the economic time is looking more market friendly, excess supply of money, looming excess demand for goods. That's, of course, Japanese two years down the road. But at least it's in the right direction this time. Mm. Uh, Shark property, uh, you know, continues to uh, occupy many of us uh, in uh, Hong Kong and uh, around the world. How, how are you looking at the market here and across the border at the moment? Yeah, I think that now the property market, the problem is that they are facing high interest rate, uh, especially in United States. So they are still high interest rate and then uh, they have the pressure on the property market around the world. But especially uh, in the past weeks, back to China's property market can have some rebound this year, but unfortunately it hasn't materialized yet. So it's not only have the impact on these property prices, in some big cities, they also, this kind of the risk already spin over to the local government financial uh, situations. So uh, if these things continue, uh, in China, we have seen the comeback of the service sector, but for the property market, they still uh, drag on the, 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 the growth. So if these things continued, I think that this year's Chinese growth will be affected. And the similar things mm. in the rest of the world, mm. anywhere, mm. the property market, they are very big uh, uh, sector for the economy. If the property market continue to underperform, the global growth cannot be that good as we anticipated. NGO, just very quickly, are you bullish on property? No, I've, for the reasons that Shark mentioned, I just wanted to ask Shark briefly whether the three lines policy, policy in China, is that still, is the Chinese government favoring property now or are they, are they still kind of squelching it? I think that they haven't changed their tones. They don't want to have, see a lot of the speculation in this market, but unfortunately the situation already 
changed. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit negative on property because obviously the U.S. rates I think will keep going up. We, we've been yakking on for six about six percent for a couple of years. If you say it long enough, it does happen. Um, on the Fed funds, it won't be six, but maybe five point seven five. And in China, I think it's the policy issues hmm. as, as opposed to the interest rates that's going to keep it back. Great. Thanks very much for those uh, views, both of you. Enzio von Feil, uh, uh, the Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals, always here on a Thursday morning. And uh, the Shah Shark, Asia's Chief Economist at uh, BBVA Research. Much appreciated your views 